It's time to go under the hood with the Indy Fuel. Welcome to another edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. Hope you are all keeping safe and healthy out there as you enjoy our podcast episodes. It's time for another podcast wrapping up the 2019-20 season. Hope you enjoyed last week's with the wrap-up and the highlights from the year as got to enjoy a lot of calls from myself and Nick Olchek, and we had so much fun bringing you the Fuel Games this season. And the bonus episode from this past weekend with our interview with Jim Hallett, the chairman and owner of the Indy Fuel. And of course, that is not just available here on the podcast, but also on the Indy Fuel's YouTube page at Indy Fuel Hockey. And of course, if you get a hankering for hockey, you can also catch all of the highlights from all of the home games this season. Almost every goal the Fuel scored on home ice is there. Just head on over to Indy Fuel Hockey on YouTube. Our guest this week is the head coach of the Indy Fuel, Doug Christensen. And we look back at nine months ago, Doug Christensen became the head coach of the Indy Fuel. The roster basically completely turned over. Alex Brooks was essentially the only player from last year that played the full season with the Fuel. And of course, it was a very unique year as the season was cut short due to this virus outbreak that we're all sheltering in place from and trying to stay safe and healthy and that, of course, meant a lot of unique challenges for the fuel as the players were hoping to head home before the borders were closed to non-essential travel and a number of other logistical things took place. But it was a very successful year for the fuel, even though we didn't get a chance to enjoy the Kelly Cup playoffs. Certainly, the fuel were in a great position to make their second playoff appearance in six years. And I think looking ahead as well, built a foundation for 2020-2021, and that's something Coach and I will address during this conversation. So without further ado, here is the head coach of the Indy Fuel, Doug Christensen. What have these last couple of weeks been like for you as a head coach wrapping up the season and also general manager kind of thinking ahead toward 2020 and 2021? Well, it goes without saying. Um, it was unlike any other season end I'd ever been a part of, um, you know, globally, every single person, all the listeners who are listening to this, one of the things they probably didn't fully appreciate was the escape, uh, that sports provide. Um, you know, I, myself included, um, having spent the last few days and weeks, uh, not really able to watch any sports, ESPN's obsolete, NHL networks obsolete. Um, and so. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back behind a bench and, and allowing our fans to, uh, you know, hopefully have a really good outlet next season. But in the meantime, we got to prepare. But it was a, a tricky uh, few weeks. Obviously, getting the players out safely was the, the, the number one concern. Um, but obviously, trying to wrap up uh, our year, being able to connect with players, get feedback to try to improve uh, on what was a good season. You mentioned getting the players out safely and how big of an undertaking is that for you and for them to try to help them get back to wherever they are residing in the off season? Well, if we go through the timeline, it was fairly surreal. Um, you know, we left Kalamazoo on Wednesday night and we found out the NBA canceled. And I remember uh, in a couple conversations that I thought the NHL was going to be next. 
um, and that then it was only a matter of time until it reached us. Um, I did not know if we were going to play that upcoming weekend, but on Thursday, obviously, we found out the NHL was suspending, and by extension, so were we. And um, when that happened, uh, you know, we were at the rink on Thursday morning with the scratches, and we found out that all NHL teams uh, were not having their players practice. So we sent all of our guys home that were there that day for treatment. And obviously, in the subsequent uh, four days, we went from a suspension to a cancellation. Uh, we had a meeting on Monday outside, uh, which, you know, we didn't even bring the players to the rink. Um, we had them spread out. And we just, you know, kind of did a quick wrap up on the season, helped answer any logistical questions that they had. Um, and then we had them go in small groups uh, to the rink to get their gear uh, in order to provide uh, safety for them to not have to, A, endanger themselves or endanger Flinchy. Uh, or George uh, as they got their gear and they did their exits. And then on Monday, uh, a lot of them were able to leave after their exits as well as uh, then the rest were on Tuesday. Um, and so it's been, uh, we're thankful to Dr. Klutz for squeezing our exit physicals in. Um, obviously his calendar is swamped. And so it was really, um, you know, you're, you buy in as a professional athlete that there's a, a rhythm to the season and, and the way the season should end. Um, well, this one did not fall into that category. And so it was good that everyone was able to leave safely and efficiently. And I think our whole staff did a really good job uh, doing that. And how important is it to have guys like Flinchy and George who have been around hockey a long time to be able to assist and help these guys wrap things up? Well, it was great. And, and you know, you obviously have the exit physical. So for the people who are listening who don't know, the players, when they come in in a fall, uh, we, we determine their health, make sure that they, if they have any injuries, they're documented. And then the same when they leave, they have an exit physical. Um, and so George and our doctors were able to do that uh, quickly, safely, efficiently, which was huge, um, allowing the players to leave to get to their hometowns. And uh, if you recall, on Monday, uh, there was the, the Canadian border was closing to all non-essential travel. And so we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. We just had heard rumors that there was going to be a border closed and, you know, we didn't want our guys sitting in long lines. So there was that added hurdle of getting our Canadians home too. Um, and then obviously Flinchy, um, we were lucky that Flinchy was able to get a lot of work done, uh, in advance over the weekend. So the players are literally able to come in, uh, and leave. Uh, and so that was very good for them. Uh, and we had John Cavey at the apartments, uh, helping us out there and, and Andy and Jay Jenkins, um, really working out the logistics of how everybody was getting home. And so, uh, we were very fortunate, uh, to have the experience that we had there. We tried to make it as assembly line as we could. Uh, you go here for this, there for that, and you go home. Um, and so, uh, very fortunate to have the experience, but also, everybody to have a sense of urgency and a sense of duty to get their job done. Ellen, we've talked all year about the character of the guys on this team and how they've really handled this situation because, again, it's very unprecedented. Well, one of the things I was most happy with, um, well, there are two or three things. One, uh, our front office did a good job when we thought that the supply chain with the coronavirus uh, six weeks ago could be impacted in China. Uh, our front office and Jim uh, helped us order extra sticks to ensure that uh, we never ran out, regardless of how long we went into the playoffs. 
Um, we had coronavirus signs up and around our locker room, and we were talking about it collectively as a group uh, two and a half weeks before the season ended. And we were trying to do everything that we could in advance. And we were even talking about uh, how guys have to take care of each other. But I think one of the things I was most proud of, and you touched on it in terms of character of the team, um, you know, young people, uh, they think they're invincible. And uh, I felt that way. Uh, And this is a tough time. One of the things I was most proud of our group is they were leaders. Uh, Did they probably have a little bit of fun together as a team uh, at the end of the season? Yes, they did. I'm sure they did. Uh, But they weren't out in fun areas of the city uh broad ripple or downtown or whatever when the season ended uh they kept themselves safe they were leaders uh and they're they're smart and i'm confident that the when they went home they did the same thing and that's really a testament to the character of the team the maturity of the players um and also an understanding that they can be impactful in a positive way and uh i thought that was a, a very good capstone to the collective team character of the season that showed on the ice but off the ice. You know, we talk about on the ice. This team finished the year really playing some very good hockey at the end of the season. You wrapped up with a one to nothing win in Kalamazoo, where defensively you really played an outstanding game, and Spencer Watson cashes it on the power play to wrap things up. But let's talk about the way your team was playing, especially as the season was nearing its conclusion. The fact that it looks like you were going to solidify a playoff spot and begin to ramp up for the postseason. Well, I think ever since Thanksgiving, I mean, I recall a few weeks ago when we were in Cincinnati and uh, we lost the first game of a back-to-back and we brought the team in the following morning. And and if you put the standings up from Thanksgiving to that date, uh, we were in first place um, in our division. And so we'd been playing good hockey, not just the last month, uh, but really since Thanksgiving. We'd had ups and downs, but I thought the part that was really good for us down the stretch is um, we were putting some gap. Uh, between us and the teams below us. Obviously, we finished 10 points ahead of Kalamazoo, and we had a game in hand. Um, And we were able to really extend our lead. And by doing that, it put us in a position to allow players who had some nicks and bruises to maybe get some rest down the stretch, um, but also to uh, really solidify who we are as a team. And I thought, you know, we were doing that for a while. You thought that Van Stralen and Cliff Watts, and they came in and did an outstanding job. Obviously, we had uh, key players for us stepping up. Alex Router had uh, some big games down the stretch. Obviously, Spencer Watson, Bobby McIntyre. You know, the night Bobby McIntyre got injured was probably his best game of the season, best weekend of the season, and that's saying a lot. Um, And so I liked how we were playing. I liked how we were tightening up defensively, which I thought was the most important thing. And uh, what I also liked was we were getting contributions from different guys. Joe Sullivan was scoring a couple goals. Uh, our D were chipping in. Uh, Michael Doherty was scoring. Um, and so it wasn't just Spencer Watson uh, or Bobby McIntyre contributing. We had uh, contributions all throughout our lineup. And you mentioned a lot of guys that were with the team in October, but a number that were added uh, throughout the year, like Alex Router and Cliff Watson and, and Van Strahlen. And the the talent that you were able to add and add in Matthew Fogut and Dan Bacala and a number of others, the players you were able to add through the season without really having to trade off of your game day lineup, essentially, the fact that you could add throughout the year and keep making your team better, how important was that? to making this 
one of the best teams in the league down the stretch? Well, obviously the additions that we had um, helped us tremendously. Uh, you know, I, uh, we were very one of the benefits of starting a little slow the way that we did and the adversity that we had was it helped us to identify our weaknesses early. And, you know, we wanted to get bigger. Uh, we wanted to get uh, more physical. Um, and if you look at the trade uh, that we did with Kansas City, where, um, you know, Sam Kirker was a fantastic player for us. He stayed up in the American League the whole time. Matt Schmaltz was a player that we thought very highly of when we acquired him. Uh, and he obviously did a nice job in Kansas City. Uh, but Cliff, Watson and Ryan Minstrelin did an outstanding job, and uh, they came in, they bought into our culture, uh, they added to our culture, and were huge pieces for us. And obviously, Alex Router we added, uh, you know, early in the season. And I knew what we were getting with Alex Router, but I think Alex uh, took another evolution as the season progressed. He did give us the element of can play left wing, can play right wing, can play center, uh, power play, penalty kill. It was his Swiss Army knife that helped us more day in and day out. And uh, that for us as a team was was huge. And obviously, folks, uh, you know, he was a little bit snake bitten in the last couple of weeks offensively. Uh, but he did a nice job on the penalty kill. And he had a couple games where he scored you know, the one game where he scored two goals uh, and, and did a nice job uh, on the power play, helping to contribute to a, a successful unit. Uh, looking back at the season, your first year in Indy, uh, what was that year like for you to take over? And you brought a few players from Manchester that you had some familiarity with, but take over a new team, largely turn over the roster, and have the success you did. When I first interviewed with the, for the job, um, after seeing the facilities, having seen Indianapolis, um, and having spent time with Jim, I really believed that Indianapolis was a sleeping giant. I thought that all the tools were here to have a lot of success. Um, obviously, there were not a lot of players that we brought back from last year's team. Uh, you know, Sam Tebow, we traded Norfolk. Uh, he had a nice year, great person, great, uh, great player. Um, and, you know, Alex Brooks, uh, you know, Matt Rupert wound up leaving to go to Europe. And Alex Brooks was the only player back. And, um, you know, so really, in essence, in a lot of ways, it was an expansion team, um, just completely changing the roster. Uh, we paid for that early. Uh, we went through some of that adversity early in the season where um, we didn't know exactly what we had. And we were trying different line combinations. We were trying to get a better understanding of, uh, you know, where should this player play in relationship with this other one? Um, and so it took us a while. But once we started to get going, uh, the one thing that really was consistent was we always had good character from day one of the season, from the first practice all the way through to the end, uh, regardless of who it was, whether it was Jack Jenkins who wound up moving on and, 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 and having a great rookie season in Utah. He was an outstanding person in, in our locker room and, and, and was great in practice and competed. Or Gordy Dayfield, who wound up, uh, he was our third string goalie and wound up going to Rapid City and being outstanding for them. All these different players, whether they stayed here or finished here, were a big part to our culture. And then you had the constants. You know, you had the players like Bobby McIntyre. You had Tex. Uh, you had Plufer. And the character of the team over the course of the season showed itself to be uh, resilient, to truly care, and to truly be passionate about the game. And they wanted to be coached. And that was a fun team to be a part of. 
in the second year of doing anything. It's your first year with the organization, your second year as an ECHL head coach. Sometimes the first time through, you're learning the league, you're learning your team. How much did you grow as a coach here in year two in the ECHL? And You've been coaching for a long time, but specifically in this league, how did year two as a head coach really help you grow? I'm still hoping to grow. Um, you know, I think that this year helped us a lot. Uh, I thought we became more efficient. Obviously, it was a new assistant coach, too. It was new staff for me, um, getting to see how George works and Flinchy and all of us. So I thought that was all very good. Um, I thought, uh, for me, the part that was was best was when we really started to get into a rhythm, especially as a staff, as to, um, you know, what are Andy's strengths? What are my strengths? How can we combine that with what Jay does or DJ Williamson with analytics or um, in, in working with Rockford in concert to try to work towards a shared goal at their level and obviously here. Um, and so I thought all of that was really good. I thought that our team uh, came together. But for me as a coach, uh, I think the biggest difference for me was the adjustment from the North Division to the Central Division in terms of style of play. And uh, the North was really fast, very dynamic, uh, a ton of rush play, and uh, this division was a bit heavier. Um, I don't want to say it was slower, um, but it wasn't probably as dynamic, with the exception of probably Polito. And but that it was a different style of game. It was a heavier net fronts were more important. Uh, you know, those goals through screens and tips, offensively and defensively, were more important. Um, and that physical element, I think that the crowds and the buildings here in the division really had a lot to do with that. And so I thought that that was something that we had to adjust to on the fly. Uh, and whether that was adding a Jake Schultz or Vince Freeland or Cliff Watson over the course of the year uh, helped us modify our roster to be a team that could have success in the playoffs. How did this year really help build a foundation for next year in the future as you really developed and built a core? If I were to summarize, I think your first and immediate point is the fact that Last year, we returned one player, uh, finished the season with us. Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but I think there's going to be a lot of really good players back from this year's team. Um, and so I think that our ability on day one to not have to go through some of those growing pains, I'm optimistic about. Two is that analogy that I used about the sleeping giant. I think it starts to come to fruition. Um, Indianapolis uh, was not a place, although it was a great building in a great city, it wasn't a place that was on the short list of agents' minds and players' minds to go play. Everybody had heard of the Fort Wayne Comets uh, throughout hockey. Everybody knows that Toledo gets 8,000 fans a game. Everybody knows that South Carolina and Charleston, South Carolina is beautiful. Um, Idaho obviously has carved out a great niche in our league. Uh, Florida Everblades, it's hard to beat playing uh, you know, in Florida in, in January and February. So there are some recruiting areas that you had to, to, to get through this past summer. Well, I think we have so many players who played this year, as well as players who played here in the past, who are going to be ambassadors for us. But now it's you can move up to the American League, you can win a lot of hockey games, and you get to play in an unbelievable environment in front of fantastic fans because that building, when it's full, doesn't take second, second uh, fiddle to anybody in our league. Um, and the game night experience that the guys have is absolutely second to none. And then third... Uh, and lastly, I really think is it's a fantastic city. 
whatever you want to do. If, you, if you're married and you want to go to um, the zoo or you want to go walk downtown or you want to walk uh, in, around in the parks, you can do that. If you're young and you want to you know, go to a restaurant in, in Broad Ripple or downtown or you want to go to an NFL game, there's so much to do for the guys. And, and I think it's about getting that out there. And uh, the people here, and I'm a son of the Midwest too, have tremendous pride in their area. And there's a reason for that. And it's about getting players from other and people from other parts of the country and other parts of the world to come here to help share that uh, experience and share what they enjoy about the city and help to make Indianapolis not just a sleeping giant, but a team that year after year is a heavyweight in our division and uh, provides fans with a lot of fun hockey. What's the importance with what's the importance of the relationship with the Blackhawks and the Rockford Icehawks in building that? I think it's huge. Um, I think it's a part that we want to continue to cultivate and grow. I think that you look at uh, no better example was then the Wednesday night game, uh, which wound up being our last game of the season. Rockford only had one game that week. They played on Wednesday, or they played on Saturday night, so they didn't have any midweek games. And uh, they sent down Dylan McLaughlin and Tim Soderlund for one game. They knew we were short. We had a bunch of injuries. Um, and they sent them down for one game, knowing that if we won that game, uh, we'd be 10 points out, 10 points up with a game in hand. We'd pretty much cement ourselves in the playoffs. Uh, that is uncommon. It is appreciated and it's something that we want to continue to grow. Uh, we want to continue to develop their players and give them the best opportunity to have success in Rockford. That's what we're here for. Um, but for them to be able to do that for us, I think it was great. And those are the kinds of things that we want to be able to build and build and build moving forward uh, so that we have uh, not just a good team here, uh, but a team that year after year can provide Rockford with really good players and can win a lot of hockey games. Over the next few months, you've got an extended off season. Now, what do the next few months between now and October look like for you as you put your general manager's hat on and get ready for next year? Well, I'm optimistic in the fact that we won't have to completely rebuild. Um, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to reload. Um, I think that uh, obviously all the players are going to weigh their options. We had exit interviews remotely with each and every player. And uh, universally, they love their time here. And now they're going to have to look what's best for their career, which I encourage them to do. I think it's the right thing for them. And I think a lot of them are going to decide the best thing for their careers to be able to come back here. And so for me, uh, if we can grow that and, and, and then add pieces around it, uh, we'll also get a much better sense of what Chicago's going to do and Rockford's going to do in terms of her, who they're going to sign. So if they're going to sign uh, 12 centers, uh, well, maybe we don't need as many centers. Um, and so we'll have a little bit of uh, – Communicate. I should say a little bit. We'll have a lot of communication, but we'll obviously have to consider uh, what it is that we're going to do based upon what their needs are and what they're looking for and who they're going to send us. Um, and then it's really about finding the absolute best players that we can. Uh, there's a little bit of a rhythm to a normal summer. Who knows what's going to play out with the NHL and the American League? Um, but you know, free agency starting on July one, then you normally have the NHL contracts signed, the AHL contracts. And then the, the, the guys that we're really targeting are kind of that late July, early August. Well, in early June, we can start signing players again. Uh, and then we'll really dive into the college market, too, because we want to make sure that uh, the college kids that we get can, can really help us. What's a favorite memory or a favorite moment from this past season that you have? One was breaking the seven-game losing streak. 
Um, I told Andy before the game, we were in Maine, and to paint the picture for the fans, uh, it's a tough time. Uh, we had our hardest part of the schedule in November, new team, new coaches. Uh, you know, we, we were losing games by one goal. And uh, during that seven-game losing streak, all of them were one goal except for one of them, uh, and it was two. And uh, it was tough, and that was an empty netter. And uh, that was a really hard time. But I remember telling Andy, if we win tonight, we're going to make the playoffs. And that was uh, about 6.45 on a 7 o'clock start. And I, we went out, and we scored early, and we wound up winning 6-0 in our most dominant victory of the entire season. I don't – it wouldn't have mattered who we played that night. Um, we were that good. And I, when I saw that, I think that that was a sign for me that, okay, all right, we're, we're, we're going to be okay here. Um, I thought that was huge. Uh, another highlight for me was when we played in Kansas City uh, in early December. We were just coming out of that seven-game skid. We were riding the ship a little bit, and we had a bunch of guys called up. Ben Yowds was called up. Osipov was called up. Uh, we had a bunch of injuries, and literally every single guy that we had on our roster was in our lineup. And it was a road game in Kansas City against a good team, tough environment, and we wound up winning 4-0. But it was a 1-0 game until late in the game. And I just remember that being a full team effort and the guys absolutely stepping up, uh, going above and beyond. And then I would say for me uh, was the wheeling game at home uh, right before the end of the season on March 5th. Uh, uh, it, was, it was a situation for us as a team um, where – we were really good uh, from the puck drop to the end of the game. Uh, we weren't going to take no for an answer. And it was a meaningful game. And it showed the players showed each other. We want to do this and we want to be good because we knew if we could have success against Wheeling that we were going to really push them back. Um, and so those three games for me were real highlights uh, in terms of the game. And then I think off the ice, you know, you look back I and mean, we had an article written about us in the athletic uh, we had a fantastic, uh, Christmas party as a team, which, you know, you get to see all the guys together, having some fun and Jim being there, uh, at hotel Tango. Um, and so we, we did a lot of those things throughout the year and, I, and it was a special group and it was the memories that we had day in and day out that were really great. What's something you want to say to the fans as we head into the off season? I think the biggest thing for me with the fans is, uh, we're really thankful and very fortunate to have so many good fans and, and so many people are supporting uh, our group um, next season more than ever is going to be a time for all of us to get back and come back to normal life. Um, and I, although I'm just a hockey coach, uh, I do look at something that we do as an important part of people's lives and an important part of uh, their weekends and something that allows them to escape uh, whether that's the day-to-day grind or the stresses of, um, coming out of a coronavirus that will hang over the summer. And so we're really looking forward to seeing you guys again. We're really looking forward to uh, playing again. And in the meantime, let's stay safe. Let's keep everybody uh, who's here now with us in the fall. Um, and let's continue to uh, make Indianapolis a fantastic uh, city and a community that uh, helps to show the Midwest and beyond uh, how we can beat this virus. Well, thanks a lot, Coach. I can't thank you enough for all the support and uh, the time we spent together this season chatting before games and at other times. And um, 
and as well as the guys uh, who are just fantastic to work with. And so I want to thank you uh, for that, but also uh, for the conversation today and uh, look forward to the fall here. It'll be here sooner than we think. Sounds great. And looking forward to some warm weather and uh, being able for everybody to get together again. And in the meantime, let's all stay safe. And that is the Indy Fuels head coach, Doug Christensen, joining us on this week's edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. We'll have a few more episodes throughout the off season, both wrapping up the season that just came, as well as bringing you a bunch of different guests with connections to hockey here in Indianapolis, the Fuel, the Blackhawks organization, and more. Really looking forward to continuing to pump out the content throughout the off season, and especially while we're all sheltering here in our homes and trying to stay safe from the effects of the current COVID-19 virus and trying to keep ourselves socially distanced and, of course, protect ourselves and our loved ones. Stay safe, stay healthy. When the upcoming hockey season comes, we'll see you at the rink. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Under the Hood with the Indy Fuel. I am the broadcast voice of the Fuel, Andrew Smith. Thanks for going under the hood with the Indy Fuel. For more, keep visiting IndyFuelHockey.com.